We're back with Steve and Joe Bondi today. Joe Bondi is a top 1% mortgage specialist in Canada for the last eight years. Um, recently coming from one of the top banks in Canada and recently starting his own team and his own brokerage. Um, welcome. Want to welcome? Welcome, thank welcome. You. Thank you. It's yeah. an honor to be here. And I, I thank Steve for representing the, uh, <laughs> the new uh, attire and yeah. the garb. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Joe, not so much, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I this is this is like become my standard uniform for all podcasts. And we, like, we need we need to start getting some like higher class well, Joe we, Conlin clothing. Well, we have our crew neck. Uh, our crew neck podcast hoodies but my wife has completely like hijacked all of them she's commandeered yeah yeah they're all they're all gone um joe you are our first mortgage rep that we've ever had on the podcast i'm glad to have you on here i know we've talked about it for a bit with covid and everything going on and you having twins in the last what is it year and a half now two years now two, two years january goodness. 10th so so yeah. we've it's been busy it's been busy, but we're here and we're uh, looking forward to 2022. Obviously, things are starting off a little crazy and we're going to get into that today. Um, and we're going to get Joe's take on the market. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about it over the last few podcasts. Um, so I'm excited to get out. It's it the hot topic out there right now. Obviously, it always seems to be at the start of every year when things drastically increase and then it becomes the hot topic out out and about most people are worried about rates that's what you read in the news all the time rates are going to increase rates rates are going to increase that's what everybody's worried about right and they and they didn't just increase when people thought they were going to right yeah. last thought... well this month they thought they were going to increase yep. a quarter percent they said no we're going to hold off till next month i don't think we can avoid it i think there's going to be a quarter percent in increase next month but i mean that's on the variable side so if you're on the fixed rate you're locked in that's right inconsequential to you right until you need to until you're renew, up for renewals renew and so terms. forth. Yeah. Now I'm seeing mixed articles on the rate changes. Some some are saying anywhere from five to seven hikes potentially over the next year. Some are saying maybe one or two. Um, obviously, they they have to tread lightly here. Um, we we don't we've never been through a pandemic like this before with inflation, uh, people being out of work, things that are going on. Obviously, the house prices are through the roof. Um, what do you think? Obviously, it's hard. You don't have a crystal ball, but where where do you stand on as far as like the rate hikes and what do you think could happen? I don't think they can raise them six to seven times like they want to. I think uh, really what's got to happen is you might see two to three rate increases this year. Unfortunately, there's just too much debt out there. The pandemic has made it so that, you know, people weren't losing their houses. There was very few power of sales during this right. pandemic, which is awesome. Um, because we don't want to make our livings off of taking people's houses away from them. But at the same time, um, they had to deplete their savings. So their nest egg, their savings is gone, right? They had to accumulate debt, do cash advances in order to keep making their mortgage payments and keep that house going. Now that the economy is opening back up, people are going to get back to work. They want to raise rates, but you're going back to work. You're not getting a quarter percent increase in your pay you're going back at the same right. wage you were so by them raising rates if they raise them fast we're going to have a crash again just like in 2008 2009 in now, my opinion well what's the historic uh, average of rates i mean i think isn't it somewhere around seven percent like if you look historically over a, a long period of time like is like that a where... good healthy economy is having a rate around five percent five percent yeah okay and, so. and 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 i think they know i mean like you said if they raise rates drastically i mean canada i think is one of the most debt leveraged countries 
in the world. We are right now, yeah. Right. So they know Sweet. if they raise these rates Sweet. drastically, <laughs> uh, which, should give, which should give people out there a little bit of comfort knowing that, like, you know, your interest rate isn't going to shoot to 6 or 7% here because they know that that would be what do you, a What do you think their target is? Do you think no. they're going for, like, a 3.5%, or do you think they're trying to shoot for that 5 I mean, right now we have a stress test at five and a quarter, right? Right. So even if they raise it, people aren't going to lose their houses because they, they've all been approved at that five and a quarter rate. Right. So if they raise it three times, you know, if we get the three quarter percent increase, you're still going to be around three and a quarter percent. So on paper, they can afford that increase, but... Right. So for people for people watching right now, can we explain the stress test a little bit? Because I don't think people realize that there's a stress test that's out there and their actual true affordability actually would be a lot more and that the Bank of Canada has already these, these protocols in place to kind of protect us in case of rate heights. Um, yeah, so a few years ago, the Bank of Canada wanting to increase the rates um, before the pandemic, they put in place a stress test. And what that is is it basically says that in five years from now or four years from now, when your mortgage comes up for renewal, if the rates go up to five and a quarter percent, can you still afford this house? Right. So we always approve everybody, no matter if your rates one and a half percent, two percent, three percent. We currently approve you at five and a quarter or two percent above your contracted rate. So what that means is if your mortgage rate was four percent, well, we add two percent to that. We got to qualify you at six percent versus five and a quarter. So there is a buffer for everybody. A safety net, that the a safety net, so that people way. can still afford their house. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so on the reverse effect, when you when we talk about people having to deplete their savings, I think there's also the people out there that have still made a decent amount of money and haven't lost work and haven't gone out and shopped and bought food and gone out for dinners and wasted as much money. There's also people that have actually been able to save a lot more um in in the fact that there's also people that uh, have lost money but the other thing too is with the raising house prices anybody who's owned a home has a lot of equity right now in their homes and i'm seeing a lot of people are refinancing um, to do renovations which means they're hiring contractors they're hiring electricians they're hiring plumbers and they're getting work out there um, so is it possible that the raise in um real estate has also allowed more jobs to come in because people are refinancing and putting that money back into their homes and spending their money on bigger projects that they weren't originally able to do or afford. Um, so could you say that it also could go in the other direction and help the economy a little bit? Well, it's helped certain aspects of the economy. Most small businesses took a real big hit over the last two years, right? For sure. Um, yes, re real estate did fantastic. Construction did fantastic especially in southwestern Ontario, because everybody seems to be moving out of the big cities mm -hmm. because uh, we can do everything virtually now, right? So and the you cost don't of have materials to... went up like crazy too through the pandemic because of a lot of That's a, yeah, renovations and supply chain right? issue and supply as well. Supply chain issues and a big fear people have is if the market were to crash, everybody is like inevitably waiting for this crash to happen. There's people that are saying, "I'm not buying a house. I'm waiting for this crash to happen." Yes, corrections can always happen. And in 2008 and 9, I believe that's one of the worst, if not the worst, that we've ever seen. It's the worst in our lifetime. Yeah. And it went down 11%. Right. The worst. The worst. It went down 11%. Right. And, it, and it, within it, a year, it was back. Yes. I think to, two, to around even. 2008 to 2009, it had made the big drop. And by 2010, we were back to even and then growing on again. Um, when I analyzed the trends over the last 60, 70 years, 
anytime there's a drop, it seems like it's a lot more, everybody has the same goal and that's growth. And when something drops, everybody steps in to make sure that that drop is reversed really quick back into growth. Um, and obviously when it's growing, we want to prolong that as long as possible. So I always notice the drops are shorter and the growths are a lot longer. And my question to you is, because we've grown as much as we have, if we were to drop, do you think it would be worse than the 11%? And do you think we would recover fairly quickly? Obviously, again, um, you don't know for sure, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we have an inventory problem, right? So even if it were to drop, which it wouldn't, I mean, we have 250,000 people, if not more, immigrating to this country every year. They gotta have a place to live. So right. the problem is, is- I think they said it's closer to 400,000 people they, they, they try to bring in immigration every I got an article that just came out two days ago. You gotta check this out. Um, News Ontario. I think they just announced 400 and something thousand by the end of this year, another 400,000 next year and another 400 and change um, to 2024. We're looking at almost 1.5 million new immigrants to Ontario during a housing crisis in right. shortage. And we're bringing in a, a record setting, almost 1.5 million more people in the next two and, and a half we were years. talking to another another realtor the other day. And I think he said, you know, last year was a record number of new construction starts in Canada at 300,000, but we're bringing in 400,000 people into the country. And that doesn't mean they're all coming in and buying these new builds, but everything shifts around, right? They come in and they need a place to live, whether they're renting that place or they're buying a, a starter home or any, it just all kind of shifts up the line, right? So the math isn't adding up. The supply isn't well, going to... They can't build the houses fast enough no, they for can't. the amount of people coming that, in. Right. And that's right. why our... Houses are appreciating so fast, exactly. right? So we have yeah. here on the National Post, this was just posted on February 14th, two days ago. Canada to bring in record numbers of immigrants by 2024. Canada will admit 431,645 permanent residents in 2022, 447,055 next year, and 451,000 in 2024. Oddly specific numbers. Yes, yes. That lucky, that lucky 55 that yeah, gets to yeah, come in. Yeah, this is according to the immigration minister, Sean Frazier's plan. Um, and this is going to be record setting. So the pandemic's done, hopefully. And in the next two, three years, they're looking at bringing close to 1.2 to 1.5 million more people into an area that's already struggling with housing. There I, needs I, to be a plan. Storm's it, brewing. It, it, yeah. The, storm's the, brewing. Here's the thing. Immigration obviously is, is paramount in this country. I mean, we... You know, we're a lot of us and the way that the country works is built on this immigration and labor force that we bring into the country. And it's good for the country for a lot of reasons. But during a housing crisis like this, where there isn't a solution in the works and there's just been a lot of Band-Aid talk floating around, there needs to be some sort of step in the right direction, I think, before we continue to just... Yeah. buff up our population with with mm -hmm. people coming in we every need a lot of infrastructure too right yeah well yeah i mean exactly the infrastructure can't keep up well I, like, your sewers capacity that's right handle well, it well we're on that conversation we've had a lot of conversations in this podcast and outside this podcast in regards to why is windsor growing at the rate it's growing and i know this is also a provincial issue but we've looked at what were what where our sale price was in relation to london and toronto mm -hmm remember like five, six years ago oh, and so what cheap. it is now. And we are slowly closing that gap. 
Um, so it means that Windsor is growing for some reason, and obviously I think it's affordability in, in housing, but what do you see as far as why are people buying here and what do you see as uh, the long term here in the Windsor area? Well, I think Windsor is an isolated market compared to the rest of Canada. I, I think you're when you're going to see a dip, you'll see a dip in the bigger cities such the, as This Toronto is what I say and, all the time. And so forth because now you don't have to be in the big smoke, you know, yep. to go to meetings because you can do Zoom or yep. webcasts or whatever, Teams or whatever it is, right? I think we're going to get a lot of that immigration here. Like so it, it's going to they're going to land say in ottawa and toronto the affordability is not going to be sustainable for them we and they're going to want to land here still and they're going to migrate right. where there's land and affordability and i mean uh, we're seeing condos go up like crazy here in windsor we've never seen this before right? and and that's a topic to touch on right there is 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 condos and um just getting outside of the box in your mind of what it is to own a home and and to to become a first-time home owner is the condo market really needs to be where a lot of young buyers are putting their focus now so like you say there's condos going up in windsor that we've never seen before i think that needs to happen a lot more but i mean the the cheapest condo now is around 400 grand right so first-time <laughs> yeah. home buyers are having a really tough time i know um some strategies we're using when I talk to people and I say, okay, well, you can afford, you know, a 280 mortgage in the past. That was awesome, right? Everybody was happy. You yeah. got a nice raised ranch for yep. that. Yep. Now you can't even get a condo we're for looking that. looking at mobile homes. Mobile homes for that right? price, exactly. Yeah. On leased land, the leased land brings down your affordability, right? Because right? it's like 600 bucks a month. At least, so now you can afford. Now, now every city has its different set of first-time homebuyers. Our first-time homebuyers now are going to fall in the three fifty to six hundred thousand dollar range. That seems to Probably, be yeah. the range. Now, what happens with Guelph and Waterloo with now an average sale price of one point two million? Um, is that is there are there first home time homebuyers just that set of of buyers now? Is it just as we grow, we lose a set of first-time homebuyers and gain the new set of first-time homebuyers? And is this become a three-step process instead of going from your starter home to your forever homes? It's starter home to second home to third home and almost have to work your way up to, to climb that ladder? Well, I think anybody who's a first-time homebuyer, most of them have to have a co-signer now because they just can't do it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they need to get creative get creative by, you know, buy a house with your brother or your sister. You've been living together for X amount of years. So buy it together, stay in that house for one to two years, build up that equity, it becomes your down payment on the next one. So as much as the housing market's going up crazy, the mortgage amounts aren't going up as crazy. And the reason for that is all that equity that they get when they sell their house, they just move it to the new property. Right. They're not losing that money. So they're, they're upgrading for almost the same mortgage right or if, just slightly higher yeah. than what they're uh, right. they're doing now if, if these other cities in ontario any indication of the way things are trending for the windsor market um i think that the answer is you just got to get in you got to get in one way shape or form to build that equity so that you don't become a renter forever right yeah there's there's a small window for certain buyers that have certain incomes where if they can't get themselves into the market soon they may never be able to get in the market if they don't have a support system. Well, this is to a tough thing up. for a lot of people to overcome mentally, though, too, because what I've seen the trend is every year the new year comes along and there's a, a set of articles that come out, inflammatory articles that come out that say, 
you know, in one way or another, you know, a drop is coming, you know, and, and that puts people on a path of, of, okay, I'm going to wait. Right. And then we sit down and we talk with them and, and you do the same thing because we're all working with the same people at different steps in their journey. And we say, hold on, you know, let's look at the historical data. Let's see what's been happening here. There's nothing indicating that that's going to happen, but we're working against, you know, media. the media and yeah. social media and, and this, this melting pot of information that people are getting thrown at them, uh, you know, at every turn. And, and it, it, it makes our job more difficult in the sense that we just, like, we're not, I'm not here to just try to like push you into a house you don't want. I'm here to try to get you on the best path that you can be on to set yourself up for life and to set your family up and to raise a family in a home. And, you know, I'm not trying to get you into a house, you know, in a couple months because I, because I really want to make that money. I'm trying to get you in a house in the next couple of months because I know six months or a year down the road, you aren't going to be able to afford that house anymore. Right. So that's the uphill battle. I feel like uh, we're, we're I on mean, right it's now. A, simple math equation people are waiting for that big drop well 2008 2009 where it dropped 11 percent right well Last that only that only brings you back to december yeah. yeah we've been if up the we've market gone up 11 percent since december if the market drops 11 percent, you're sitting around christmas time this year and you you never should time the market you never should try to time the market if you buy a home and the market unfortunately decides to drop just don't sell don't panic. Don't sell. If you lose your job, move back in with mom and dad and rent it out until it recovers. We've talked about that over and over again. Yeah. At least when you own a home, you can manipulate the market in your favor. Well, you're moving with it. Right. right. If I go and invest in a company and the company goes out of business, I lose my money. But if I invest in real estate and the market drops, I have options. I'm in control of my property. It's real property. I can go move back in with mom and dad. I can rent out the property. When the market recovers, then I sell. You you don't have to panic and sell. The only way you would lose is obviously if you had found a way to not make your payments. But there's people looking for rentals all the time. And if the market were to drop, people are going to be selling and looking for rentals. There's going to be more tenants out there looking. Um, the main thing is to get in the market. It's shown in the past historically that if the market does drop it's a very short amount of time to before you can recover that and in southwestern ontario i don't see any long-term drops happening anytime soon southwestern yeah. ontario is growing very fast with almost 1.2 to 1.5 million more people coming in and i just don't see us going in the backwards direction it's just not well looking. like joe just said i mean we have an indicator in bigger cities like toronto and area where we kind of get the writing on the wall. When something changes there, we kind of know something might be coming here. It's not just going to all of a sudden drop in Windsor out of the blue, right? We're still right. the most affordable, you know, mid-sized city in yeah. in southwestern Ontario. So, well, like, well, something big could happen, like a pandemic. Like a pandemic. <laughs> that we grew over 30% right. in just the last 12 right. months. Yeah. When, one thing uh, first-time homebuyers have to realize is they gotta we we gotta all collectively manage our expectations you know they're all coming from mom and dad's big two-story house and they want to move into something similar but in this market that's seven eight hundred thousand to start if not more you know if not more yeah well they can't afford that being a first-time homebuyer so you you gotta you know be able to step back either going to a condo or going to renovation a little mortgage two bedroom house do a purchase plus improvements right. mortgage something where you got to get into the market and you can't wait there's something about i always say that hgtv mindset 
and people are so fixed on like Pinterest, Instagram, HGTV, how houses, they, they have this expectation of how houses should look and they for, people forget what a first home should be. And your first home should be the cans of paint, rolling the walls and cleaning it up. This is your first investment to grow. If you go to half these houses that are selling like crazy, all it is is white trims and gray walls and nicely staged. When you go buy a house that doesn't have those things, you get it for an extreme discount. You go and make those paint jobs and trims yourself. It costs you a fraction of the price and you're the one that's going to grow that equity. You're the one that's going to make all that I money. I think unfortunately a lot of that comes along. You say HDTV mindset. Yeah. I say um, social media. Right. Um, keeping up with envy. the Joneses. Yeah, it is keeping yeah. up with the Joneses. People seeing what other people are putting out there and look what I bought. Look, look at, look at how much, you know, I've done to my house and look how beautiful it is. And people want that. They don't want to take themselves, up, but they, they don't, don't want to do the work. Yeah. Well, we're in a immediate gratification exactly. mindset, right? I need it yeah. now. I need it now. And then what do they do? They run up their credit cards. They run up their lines of credit. They get it now. Luckily, we're in a market of appreciating houses so they could refinance and right. kind of pay it Consolidate off. That all debt. of our clients that have made the most money are the ones that have bought the houses that need the most work. Now, when I say yeah. most work, I'm not talking knocking down walls, replacing furnaces and roofs. We're talking cosmetic. Right. Things that are dated 1950s, 60s, 70s styled homes that you have to flip, maybe a bathroom. And other than yeah. that, they're moving ready. They're usually well taken care of. They're just dated. They got wallpaper on the walls and people overlook it. The photos don't show as well. And... Um, these are the houses I think that people need to start looking at and mortgage plus improvements I'd love for you to kind of explain that just because people don't know that's an option that they have where if they buy a house a little bit below their budget um, they can invest a little bit more into the home and roll it into their mortgage and maybe pay back mom and dad who lent them the money or a line of credit yeah so like the way a purchase plus improvements goes it's it's great for say first-time home buyers or even second-time home buyers people who have you know less than save. 20% down um, because they can put about 40 grand worth of work into that house as long as when the renovations are done it appraises out at that 40 grand higher they can do all that work which could be you know new flooring a new kitchen maybe so do they have to so, they have to pay that up front right they, they pay get receipts and then submit is that how it works or so we get... approve it up front so up front they're gonna go and they're gonna get quotes Okay. They can go to Home Depot, get a quote. They can do the work themselves, or they can get a contractor to do the work. Um, they do the work themselves. They got to finance it and yep. fund it. Yep. The lawyer holds the money in trust until the work is complete. Then they release it to them at the end. Gotcha. But if you're doing a, say, $40,000 reno, your down payment has to increase by that 40, that 40 grand, grand or a percentage of that yep. 40 grand, right? So, yep. you know, you got to know your down payment is going up as well with right. that. Right. Um, now, if you use a contractor, sometimes they say, just give me a deposit and then pay me from the proceeds when it's done. So they don't actually have to have that 40 grand in cash or the bank of mom and dad or whoever else, right? They Good can to know. have the contractor hold it. He does the work and then we release the funds. He signs an affidavit saying all the work was done and everything's great. Yeah. yeah. So we have other options too, where people can get creative. The city of Windsor now allows, um, it's in a little bit for some time now, um, additional dwelling units as long as you're a primary owner of the home and you're living in the home you can rent out the basement the upper floor the back addition or some sort of detached dwelling whether you converted a garage or some sort of accessory building into a you know an in-law suite um, the reason they're allowing this even though you're not a true duplex as long as you're the primary 
person occupying the other unit of this home, they will allow you to rent out these without being a true duplex. This is huge. This is what you see um, in Vancouver in the last 10 years. This is what you saw in Toronto where first-time homebuyers were moving in. And you see on those HGTV shows where they're completely gutting a basement and turning it into this little apartment so that they can help some sort of up, uh, you they know. can offset the cost of exactly. their mortgage. Yeah. So these are these are things that people need to take a look at. And if they keep playing the poor me, look at this market um, victim role, which I, I have sympathy. This is not fun for anybody, but we, we it's, the, it's the reality of what we're facing. And if you don't get creative and do something now, you may end up becoming a tenant. Now, for, for just good. looking at the pictures that you got on the screen, Joe, you know, the top two are cool. The bottom left-hand yep. one is good as well. But the additional dwelling that's detached from the house, very hard to refinance in the future and get value out of it. Most lenders won't give you value to an outbuilding, which is what that is. Um, Do you think that'll change? I think it's going to change as that, as that is more. We do, we do have a lender we're working with right now, trying to go over, you know, creating a policy with, with them. And because, you know, like Amherstburg allows the tiny homes, yep. um, additional dwellings in Windsor. This is going to be. The They're calling them garden forward. suites now in, in Toronto mm -hmm. and area. Because I know it, that that's. As long as it's attached, you can get value sure. out of it. As soon as you detach it, now it's an outbuilding. And, right. you know whether it's a pool house or a, yeah, it's or tough a garage to with that, a suite hey? upstairs, you know, we can't use the rent unless it's claimed on a tax return. I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls on that. But okay. if the units already existed on the property and it was something they were able to rent out and just to help offset the cost, it's still something that can help them, correct? It doesn't help them from a refinance standpoint. But only on a monthly payment standpoint. If they claim it on their taxes, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's tough i mean we were talking about this yesterday in our in our meeting we're we're all really hurting with our first time buyers right now and trying to figure out ways to help them and i think the hardest thing is we're constantly having to update the mindset because we're we're not seeing the market change on a quarterly basis we're seeing it change on a weekly basis right now so we're coming out of the holidays and we're like hey sorry the market's gone up again the houses that we're seeing are now worth this and we have to kind of change that mindset or else you're going to keep continue wanting to see houses that are out of your price range but then a week later we have to have that hard conversation again and again and again and it's really beating the morale of the clients down um, because there's nothing worse than finding out every week as hard as this market is it's only getting harder um, i hope i hope i hope and statistically um, and historically we've seen this i'll pull it up in a second that more houses do become available by a significant number in march and it does get a lot better in peaks around May or June. Um, so I really hope that we have a strong spring with inventory. Well, our, our broker, Frank, um, last year put a, an email out that talked about first time home buyers and the struggles they're facing. And one of the things I remember he said in that email was that Windsor is kind of shedding its veil of affordability. Um, it's historically for the people of Windsor, especially always kind of been an affordable place to live, right? People understood that they yeah. could go buy a house for it was the best kept secret exactly right? <laughs> right and and now that that affordability is is being shed and we're joining the other major centers in in the country and it's happened very quickly and um that's a really tough 
thing for people to get their minds around so fast. Like it's it, it's so hard to explain to a client that in the last few months, things have gone up 20% or 25%, right? That, that That's really hard to grasp. It's hard for us to grasp that yeah. that's happening, right? So to, to, to have to explain that to them and, and sit them down and say, look, we're, we can't look at these houses anymore. It's a really tough yeah. um well, the other Subject thing is, is get know, across those people who want to wait. If it goes up twenty five percent, your down payment has now gone up twenty five percent. That's right. You can't save as fast as no. This you can't outsave the market, right? Nope. At this stage of the game, so that's another issue that yeah. they're having trouble with. Now, anybody selling a place, they're okay because they've got so much equity built up. Yeah. So, and again, that the ones that are in the market have a little bit easier time because they have a place to stay until they find the place they want. And if the market grows, so is the product that they're in. But this goes back to, you got to, you got to get in the market. The ones that are okay are the ones that are able to move with the market because they already own. And it just shows the importance of trying your best to find a way. And I understand it's easier said than done. Um, but there's a lot of people with still a very picky mindset. And I don't think we were in a market where you can be as picky as you used to. I mean, Everyone thinks us agents love this market. They're like, oh, you guys are killing it. You must love this. And we've talked about this. 10 years ago, I used to show a first-time homebuyer 30 houses on a weekend. And they said, I want that one. And we would just go and negotiate it. Um, that was a lot easier for the client. That was a lot easier for me. And I, I like that market a lot more. Now you show them 10 houses. They write on one. They get their butts kicked. <laughs> They go and do it again, and they do it again, and do it again, and the morale goes down. There's nothing fun about that for anybody, um, and this is this has been a struggle for not just first-time homebuyers, but for agents to help service their clients. And it gets harder as we accumulate more and more clientele. Um, we everybody has a surplus right now. I'm yeah. sharing my screen really quickly. Okay. Um, this is the last 12 months of uh, this is the 12 months of 2021, and this is new listings on market for each month. And you'll see, this is nothing new that we, that we haven't seen before. January and February, very, very low inventory as well as December. Look at how much it had spiked just by March. And then it stays consistently that high until the summer. If I go back um, to 2020, you'll see a little bit different because in April we hit the pandemic. So you'll see it drop, but you can see it was low, starting to trend upward. Obviously we hit a snag with getting in. Well, half of March was in there too. So I mean, so we saw a delayed spring that year. The delayed spring went all the way to November. Yeah. Um, if you go back the year before the pandemic in 2019, this is what we saw. January, same February, thing. same thing. Inventory eventually does come. Go back 2018, same thing. And then 2017 will be the last one I show. Again, this isn't anything new. This is normal yeah. for this time of year. Yeah. This is what causes the growth, though, because we're low inventory, which causes more competition, which then causes higher um, higher prices. We'll see that growth go in until more inventory hits the shelves. And I think that inventory, usually we see stabilizes somewhere around end of April. Yeah, it's a May. normal cycle. I mean, yeah. it, it it's you know it's not beneficial to to people out there trying to trying to find a home, but. When you have low inventory like we have in January, February, that the demand doesn't go anywhere. There's still that many people out there trying to buy a home. So they all start competing on these properties and you might end up with 20 or 30 offers on a property that causes it to sell for a super yeah. high sale price. And then guess what? That becomes a new comparable for that type of home in that area. And the more that happens, the more those prices go up because now in March, April, and May, we're going to look back at these sales that have happened in January, February, and say, that's what they're worth. So the funny thing about this graph is 
when you look at it and you look at it historically, if you were to invert it and flip it upside down, that's how interest rates go. As you hit the June, July, August, you get the lowest rates of the year. Wow. Whereas as the, say, number of sales or listings go down, the interest rates go up. Now, yeah. which is kind of what, cool. what we've seen in previous years, just because we have more houses hitting market historically, and I guess this is most likely going to happen next month, just because we're getting more listings doesn't mean the competition gets any better because we still have this surplus of buyers that we have to kind of help wean wean out um and so when that first big month hits in march it's still very competitive because of the amount of buyers we have and then april's slightly a little better and it's not usually till may until you start seeing houses with only two or three offers and it finally gets to a stable a stable uh spot and that usually will stay until about september and every september when you're everyone's getting finishing their vacations in august and september everyone's going back to school everyone's like oh the market's changing i think we're finally starting to see a turn Nope, that's just September, um, and <laughs> you're probably going to look back at September the next year when you're in January stressing out again, I should have bought back in September. Yeah. It's a normal cycle of things. Um, you'll see and when you watch the graph, um, it goes down. The inventory is very low in September because people are focused on back to school, back to work, um, and then there's a little bit of a hike in October before going into the holidays, and then it drops back down. So this is nothing that we haven't seen before. It's just at the highest scale of average sale price. And it is the lowest inventory we've ever seen. But I think that also has to do with people being um, hiding away from the pandemic, kids being at home from school. And obviously, if the prices are going up and expected to be worth more next month, then people are going to hold off the extra month to sell their home. So I do expect a very busy spring with inventory um, and even a busy summer. I think we just have to be patient and hope that the prices don't get too out of hand between now and then. So in your opinion, as the real estate professionals, should they hold off to May, June, April? Or, I mean, with the low inventory in February right now and, you know, what, well, you know, 65 there's, offers, well, there's a couple interesting, offers, there's a couple interesting we... things to, to, it depends on what side of the transaction that you're on. Because, you know, like I, you know, I just had a seller that I had this conversation with and said, and all, and all they had to do was sell and they weren't on the buying side. So I said, look, you know, you can wait till the spring if you want. But one of the things you're going to have to realize is there's going to be twice or three times as much competition for your house out there at that time. The buyers are going to spread out over those houses. You might end up with less offers. Now, I, I can't guarantee you're going to get a higher or a lower price at that time. But I can tell you right now, if you put your house on the market, you're going to have a ton of people interested your, in your, your home. Your February, March listings are your trendsetters. Right. So your February, March listings are those competitive ones that set the standard of prices for the spring. So a lot of times the record setting listings are your February, March. And yes, the prices might be in higher in May or April, but that's only because your listings in February, March were the ones that set those standards for the higher prices. Um, and then going into for the buyers. Um, yes. Yes. It's going to there's there's a plus and a minus for both. You could buy right now. The minus is there's not a lot out there. The plus is the prices might be cheaper than what you're going to have to spend in two or three months. The plus in two or three months is you're going to have a lot more options. The minus is the prices might be just a little bit higher. So um, you pick your battle. If you can find the right house now and get in before the market maybe goes up another five to 10%. Yeah, I always say, I mean, the perfect time to, to buy is is right now. Yeah. It's, it's right now because prices are only going in one direction. Right. And if you can find now, it just it just depends on whether or not you feel like you're settling. 
or not as a buyer. If you feel like you're you're just buying something to try to save a little bit of money, but you're not getting what you want, you know that that could be the the thing that tips the scales one way or another for you. But from a first time home buyer's perspective, one of the things in this feeds off of what we were just talking about. I mean, your first home probably isn't going to be exactly what you want. And I don't think it should be anymore. I think I think your mindset has to change on that. And I think you have to start realizing that um, that first home can be a stepping stone to something greater and put a little bit of work into it, increase the value of it and grow with the market and get in now so that you can you can join in on those gains. Because if you just wait another six months or a year, you're going to be you know another it's, 20 or 30 percent behind where you were right now you have to treat it like an it's an investment more than a home right For, it's a it, it's every home's an investment but your first home is strictly an investment more than a home if you don't buy a house where are you going are you living with mom and dad or are you living in an apartment is living with mom and dad or living in an apartment any better than the home that you may not have wanted you might as well buy your home which is your temporary apartment let it grow in equity cash out and use that equity to make that step up in the next it's a tough thing for people to wrap their minds around buying something that's not you know you're not going to go to a you know a car lot and 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 pick the car that you don't want right mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna put your research in and you're gonna go in there and you're gonna pick the car that suits you and fits you best but this isn't a car you know cars cars lose their value the second they drive off the lot a house is just going to keep increasing in value you said it best it's the in- instant gratification people want people right. don't like putting their lives and goals off two or three more years and having to wait for the market to grow so that they can cash out to get that next home they want it now well, it's their pride too right you have a pride of ownership you want to have a place that you're happy to invite That's your right. friends over not just and you want to be able oh, to put your house on social media and you want to so. you want people to be envious of, right like that's the mentality that people yeah. have now Unfortunately, that's a lot of the what's driving people's motivation is it's hard being to, able to show off. It's yeah. hard to work with buyers when their mindset isn't on them; it's on what other people think. Yeah. When you have buyers that buy on what other people think, it makes it very difficult for everybody because it's unrealistic. Yeah. It, we we also have the old mentality that they get their advice from their parents, and when their parents bought their first house, you could go in ten grand below list. Mm-hmm right um can't do that anymore touche that's that happens all the time you get that house isn't worth 600 grand that was 300 grand four years ago Mm -hmm. yes it was it's probably gonna sell for seven now (laughs) yeah you know yeah yeah and we're trying to keep up just as much as the parents and the clients absolutely i mean we're we're just as sticker shocked every other day when we see new sale prices coming in and this isn't a windsor issue it's this is a supply and demand issue provincial can and in national um Yep. I'm it's not everyone's like well you realtors are driving up the price sorry no it's the entire country is trying to buy houses with not a lot of houses and it's causing prices to go up this isn't a one person issue issue in a one industry it's not the bank's fault it's not the realtors fault it's not the buyers fault everybody is trying here to get their clients into homes banks are trying to get people finance for homes and the buyers are trying to get themselves into their first or second or third homes everybody's trying to move forward in life and there's just not a lot of options and it's causing prices to go up so people can point the fingers where they want but everybody's in the same problem this isn't fun for anybody that's right i mean the one positive is you know when you go to finance it i'd say 99 percent of the time the appraisals are coming in so the clients 
aren't left holding the bag. Yes, yeah. we can look at the area. The comps show that it's worth what you pay or for Or I'm it. finding even if you know those appraisers are looking at the area, the appraisers in the area are aware of what's happening in this market right now too. So it's not even just about... You know whether or not the comps are 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 perfect for that home it's they're they're looking at the comps and then they're also saying well it's february and there's nothing on the market right now and this is the trend that we're seeing not just in comparable houses but in every house in the area right i think they're using that knowledge as well to kind of come to the conclusion that these houses are worth that yeah right they, they can't because if we're just relying on on comparable sales from september or october of last year they're not comparable anymore. The prices have gone up so much that most lenders are now asking for nothing older than a ninety-day comp. Right. So some right. even want just a sixty-day sixty-day comp, comp. Right. So are you yeah. still seeing a lot of uh, your? Are you lending to a lot of investors still? You still feel the the vesting is as strong as it was the last two or three years. Um, it is, although the uh, the cash flows and the cap rates aren't as fabulous as they were right say two three years and you ago. think over time that's going to slowly fizz the investors off a little bit well, probably not because they're, they're gaining there, in the equity two, too right exactly the see, appreciation there's two things there's cash flow so as long as it's breaking even they're getting the appreciation at 27 percent. you can't put your money in an in investment or a stock and get right. that unless you hit a flyer so they're rate. willing to take a negative like there's investors out there willing to take that negative cash flow of two or three hundred or four hundred dollars a month and doing it for years in right. toronto area knowing GTA, that so. that two years down the road their yeah. investment's gone up 20 percent year over year and Th that that negative cash flow means nothing as long as they've got the money to cover that it ma it means nothing to them that investment's still making them a lot of money in the end right right um joe i want to talk about the super mortgage team yeah perfect I well going talk. in because we were just talking about how you know you you're going to different lenders now you're able to go and source different lenders for different deals and and that's part of being creative i think um as a buyer out in the market right now um you used to yeah. work with a big bank and now you've you've got your own brokerage and you're that's you're the flying. major difference is i knew everything about the 10 products i could offer you right now i have 10 products times over 36 different lenders wow right so i have options for everybody whether you like the option i have for you or not is really personal preference at the end of the day but i mean we get everybody approved it's just a matter of do you like the interest rate do you like the terms do you mm -hmm. like where because you can do going. you can do you know a lenders b lenders c, c lenders, lenders private lenders right you have a whole we, we source do, of it we can do commercial we can do leasehold improvements if you own a business and you want to buy equipment i mean we have so many options now it's a, it's a whole new world and wow and you're you know, growing you're growing pretty quick like um, i said uh, in one of my uh, social media posts like let us be your concierge Call me up. Tell me what you want, you know, whether it's a commercial deal or you're building a multi-res or whatever you want. You want to finance a business. We have a commercial arm to my to the super mortgage team now yep. with uh, Nick Savitas from StoneQuest Capital. Um, he's a guy out of Oakville that I've known for 18 years. He's awesome at commercial. He's kind of a savant that way, and he handles our commercial stuff. Um, and then we've got eight people on the team now that do the residential mortgages. Yeah, which is crazy because so, I think the last time we got together and really met with two each or other, there was only two or three of you, and that wasn't very long ago. It was, it was two of us six months ago. Me <laughs> yeah. and my brother started off, and uh, he's co-owner with me in the company. And, 
now we're up to eight and we have uh, two people taking the course right now so we'll shortly we'll be at 10 uh, 10 agents oh, how long how long you've been in mortgages now total uh, 18 years 18 years top one percent canada wide for the last eight years eight years at rbc i yep. was top uh, 10 at bmo when i left there i started my career at bmo got to top 10 then rbc came knocking and uh now gave me a great offer went over there had a great time they're amazing company to work for yeah um but if it's if I can say I outgrew the biggest bank in Canada, I outgrew the biggest <laughs> bank in Canada, right? Um, I could only have, you know, two people um, on my team as juniors. Now I have eight yeah. and soon to be 10, right? So business keeps rolling. We have to grow with the business. Yep. So unfortunately... And I, you've built a lot of relationships in those years over that time that, that help you, you have along your foundation. the way too, right? Yeah. You have a foundation built, which is... And a foundation. I mean, like I've always said i'm not always the first call for the mortgage but i'm certainly the second call and we usually come in so yeah. i say i'm like the fireman when, you, <laughs> when there's a fire and you need to put out we figure out a way to get the deal done so yeah no our clients have always been ecstatic working with you um and i appreciate you coming on uh, oh yeah yeah i mean it to, to be able to sit and talk i mean we're all a part of the same industry and we're all dealing with the same issues right now and um you know, unfortunately, it's it's hard for a lot of people out there, but we're we try to offer the solutions, and you're a part of that, right? I mean, we consider you a part of the team when it comes to you know a big, putting these a big deals together. Yeah. I'd like really to big consider myself an extension of your sales force, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, we can't buy a house without money. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Joe. you can, but you can get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I want to do this again. I appreciate you coming on. Um, anybody ever has any questions, you can reach out to Joe Bondi with Super Mortgage Team. Um, you got Facebook, Instagram. Um, you you have a website going uh, right now? LinkedIn. Yep, supermortgageteam.ca. Oh, you got supermortgageteam.ca. Hey, yeah. All right. So. And we'll uh, we'll put all the contact information in the link um, above or below, depending on the pro <laughs> software we're using. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thanks, you guys. Thanks Joe. Yeah. You're welcome.